the Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. Hey everyone. As ever, this is the Free from the Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game of interest to us. And one particular bit of offline news which could be of use to us, depending how things shake out, we've got our first little look at the standard format from the Cincinnati Open uh, SCG. Yes. Uh, this weekend, as they love to do, on the first day of legality, we see the new format, and we actually have the top 32 deck lists readily available for you. Actually, probably even more, from the looks of it. Oh yeah, there's a whole slew of deck lists. Uh, but why don't we just go ahead and focus on the top eight to start. Yep. Uh, we have a three-color control deck in uh, first place, piloted by Todd Anderson. Um, I believe Brad Nelson, for freak fame, was um, in... The next slot in the uh, part in the same deck, but slightly lower down the uh, order. Yeah, 13th. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, extremely creature light, just running the two Snapcaster. Um, four Detention Sphere. Uh, four Azorius Charm, two Syncopate, four Think Twice as the um, instant base. The new Jace and the old Tamio. Well, the only Tamio for that matter. Yeah. But the old Tamio, the new Tamio, all the Tamios. A Tamio Cameo, you could say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but a nice uh, anti-creature Planeswalker suite there um, with their mm-hmm. pluses for sure. Speaking of anti-creature, we have Supreme Verdict as a one-off, four Terminus, and four Pillar of Flame. Mm-hmm. Very curious. Is that the only, yeah, only main deck red card, actually? Um, but I, I understand that they're they're wanting for that card. It's easily somewhat somewhat easily splashable with steam vents, and it's just such an important card to have against zombies um, due to the power level of Gravecrawler and Garoth's Messenger. Uh, you want to make sure to get those guys go, good and gone, and not have to deal with them again. Also, get Strangleroot Geists, knocks um, uh, Delver out of the sky, and handles rival. Um, uh, snapcasters with the greatest of ease and is easy to snapcast itself, of course. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, so a lot of options there for removing things. And then they also managed to sneak in um, another miracle to go with Terminus, and that could, in this case, entreat the angels. So should you not be able to get the job done with your 2-1 snapcaster mage, I guess you could just make an army of angels. Yep. Um, those of you in the UK may remember a... Um, Sketch as part of the uh, Mitchell web show, um, Angel Summoner and the BMX Bandit. Yeah, this deck's an Angel Summoner. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's pretty interesting. I actually, I like it. Um, I like the look of it, even uh, though it is a control deck, which is not typically my choice uh, to start off in formats, especially in un- 
unsolved, unresolved formats like this. I prefer Agrodex, but it is really interesting. Jace is the new Jace architect of thought is a lot more potent than I really thought him to be. I actually got to I went out to a Friday Night Magic to go ahead and see what the new set looks like and how it plays. And one of my early round opponents was playing like a bug mid range deck, and Jace was really really powerful. This is my first experience with Jace. My opponent played him. He activated the minus two. He flipped over Garuk Relentless, uh, Huntmaster of the Fells, and uh, what was it? Some other powerful creature I can't that I can't think of right now. But I was like, really? I, I crap. <laughs> yeah, when you get um, which of these would you want your opponent to not have? It's, it's that's that's too hard a choice to make, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, I mean, and even still, like later on, I got to see him. You know, he would hit three land or he hit two land spell, but still, it's drawing a card at the at the worst in those situations. And yeah. sometimes you can just put your opponent in a really bad spot with their options. So he's some, a lot more powerful than I anticipated him to be, and especially that the minus one actually does a decent job of protecting himself. Plus one. Yeah, the, the plus one. Sorry. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Relatively decent job, depending on what your opponent's uh, playing in terms of creatures. You wouldn't stop a um, uh, resolved uh, entreat the angels from removing it from the board. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that might be a bit challenging. But for more of your aggro decks, like especially the like the zombie decks, most of your attackers have like two power, and knocking them down to one, uh, especially if you already have guys on the board, really disincentivizes the attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to go ahead and take, let's see, the runner-up deck here, which actually looks to be kind of unique, a four-color uh, reanimator-style deck using, um, what is that card called? Unburial Right. yes. That's the one, yes. Reanimator is always a fun one, um, and you don't expect to see too much control in an early format, so... Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've got a cu- couple of really good options here. He makes use of uh, Golgari Savage, a good way to fill up yep. your graveyard, um, not only with a burial rights, but also with creatures, uh, while getting you land. <laughs> and then you, what, you know, some great creature options here. Gristlebrand, obviously, is a great creature to reanimate, drawing seven cards. And then the newest kid on the block to join the reanimator bandwagon is Angel of Serenity. A 5-6 uh-huh. flyer that can exile up to three creatures from in play or creature cards in graveyards. And then when she leaves play, they go back to players' hands, which really makes it yeah. kind of interesting. It's almost in some ways an anti-reanimator, if you will. Yeah, it, it, it kind of functions in both ways. You can use it, you know, if your opponent has an early army, sweep them away, and then if they manage to deal with her, they have to replay everything. Or also, like in this deck, you can use it to... You know, exile. If they don't have any targets, you can remove like your own centaur healers and frag tusks, so that if they do deal with her, you're gonna have an army of big dudes that come into play and gain you life. Yeah, it's a seven pack of um, the healers and frag tusks. That's um, yeah, that that's a pretty solid wall against aggro. Yeah. Three three for three, which um, gains three. Five three for five, which gains five and leaves three. Yeah, that's going to be this, annoying to yeah, fight through. This dude clearly did not want to lose the aggro decks, <laughs> so he he went all out on that part there. Um, and also he's got you know Rolling Tremor, which is a good way to sweep away 
all those two power creatures while leaving your three power creatures perfectly intact. So another really interesting deck, and uh, definitely I think I think that's a unique deck in the field here, featuring a lot more aggro and mid-range decks. I'm quite intrigued by the Singleton Vraska of the Unseen in the sideboard. Who does he bring that against? Um, I don't even know what that card is. Off the top. Oh, that's the the new Planeswalker, right? Yeah. The black green. That's. I don't know. Maybe style points is what he was looking for here. He's like, I don't that's know. The uh, maybe if you you run into the slowest, grindiest control deck in the world, maybe this was some an option to to come in against that. I don't really know. Well, it could be. I mean, if you think about it, the um, deck which finished first only had the, th- the two creatures and the uh, um, one token generating spell, so... True, but it does feature hey. five wraths, so if you ultimate... There is and that, she yeah. energy, You ultimate her away with no counters. You're like, ah, oh, cool. Terminus. Yeah, I could see how that could be a problem. Well, then again, the, Gol- the Singleton Golgari charm does have the option to regenerate each creature you control. You could trump it. Well, that wouldn't trump Terminus. That would stop Supreme Verdict, I'll give you that. But... Yeah. Um, fair enough. Any other decks uh, really leap out at you as um, an impressive new innovation on the format? Um, not so much impressive innovation, but just a very potent deck that I do like, and that's the, the Rakdos, like the aggro decks that you see. Um, featuring two of my favorite cards in Dark Ascension, Garolf's Messenger and Gravecrawler, who, you know, I noted earlier as being incredibly vulnerable to Pillar of Flame. Um, yeah. But if you don't have the Pillar, it can be really good. And also another card that I really loved, which was Falcon Wrath Aristocrat. Um, reminded me a lot of Giant Solifuge. Has been doing really well in Block Constructed and will now probably do very well, at least to start in Standard. Um, yeah. it's, an, it's a surprisingly synergistic creature suite for an aggro deck. Yep. I'm also quite intrigued by the use of Bump of the Night in a uh, significant constructed deck. Being Rakdos, of course, I can flash it back, but I don't generally see that there. No, yeah, that really surprises me. The only time I would expect to see Bump of the Night would be in a pure, like, you know, Lightning Bolt dot deck, where you're playing, you know, four Bump of the Night, four Lightning Bolt, four Lava Spike, which would really be more in modern. I really didn't expect that card in standard, but, uh, I mean, hey. If it works, it works. Exactly. You know, good enough for fourth place, so. Interesting. And I do love, Very in the sideboard, we get to see um, Underworld Connections, so this is a good deck to take great advantage of that. Um, you know, because you side out whatever spells are less relevant, and then, you know, you the, you can combat the typical aggro deck problem of, oh, you know, I ran out of cards, I'm playing off the top of my deck. Well, now you can dig a little bit deeper every turn, so. All right. If you find, yeah. A good tool for um, getting against the um, resource generators. Yeah. And just, it's interesting because typically, like, you know, we always saw Phyrexian Arena more in, like, control style decks. Uh, whereas here, there's clearly a straight up aggro deck. And it's like, no, I want to use it. I want that card. <laughs> right. Anything stick out to you, AJ, is interesting or clever? I'm quite intrigued by the other end of the color scale, the uh, Selesnia aggro deck. We've got pretty much every guild represented, if you think about it. Yeah, for the most part, um, at least the guild—you know—the guilds that are readily available in Return to Ravnica—they made some appearance in some fashion. 
in, in, and it's in the top eight. So uh, yeah, this is a fairly straightforward one with Arborel for Navis's Pilgrim providing the acceleration, Loxus and Smiter providing the expletive deleted U aggro, um, and of course control. Um, Silverblade Paladin providing the um, that, that'd be nasty. <laughs> Turn three, Locks and Smiter. Turn four, Silverblade Pallet and swing for eight. Yeah. No, sorry. Turn two, Locks and Smiter. Turn three, Silverblade Pallet swing for eight. Well, can't forget the turn one uh, mana producer. Of course. And then if we come down turn four with Sublime Angel, that means we're swinging for... Uh, Ridiculous. Yeah, some large number. I'm not sure. Probably death. <laughs> yeah. Swing for death and... Um, Boxes and Smiter into Wolfia Silverheart would be nasty as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that that would be quite fun here. A lot of a lot of really good creatures here, and I'm a big fan of Sublime Archangel. Um, I I played it in like, and we'll talk about it later in the a more token producing deck, but uh, where it can be really cool. But I think it's a really powerful card, and that's one to keep an eye on. Yep. Um, I know that uh, Thalia Guardian of Thraven makes an appearance as a um. Nice little steep speed bump to uh, non-creature decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. And then lots of ways to uh, go over the top, because we've seen, you know, obviously between the Silverheart, the Angel, ways to make creatures big. Uh, they went ahead and also included four Ranker and three Selesnia Charm, which gives you uh, trample options. So even if they do try to just chump block, you can go over the top. Yeah. And Exile Target Creature with five or greater... Is there anything in standard really filling that niche at the moment? I suppose you've got the Starfrag Tusk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've been um, pretty good against the Reanimator deck. You could take out. Um, Gristlebrand. Yeah, Gristlebrand or the New Angel. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple targets out there. Yeah. Yep. I also love this. And it, I'd, be, I'd be curious to know how much this got used, but if you look in the sideboard, you got a Triumph of Ferocity, which mm. really turned out to be kind of a limited monster. Um, I'd be curious to see how well it does in Constructed. Yep. I'd want to know like what matches he brought that in for and how well that worked out for him. I imagine it'd be fairly powerful against um, most kinds of control. If they're not playing any creatures and you've got the only creature in play... Yeah, exactly. If you go turn one... Against control, I guess, like turn one, one of your elves, turn two, uh, Triumph of Ferocity. If you get to draw a card off an elf with that card, that'd be pretty sweet. And Zagada, Host of Herons, is an evasive beta, which um, completely shuts off all sacrifice effects. Yeah. Uh, no, not that you have to worry about Birthing Pot anymore, but there is anything in, that falls into that. And if nothing else, just a 5-5 beater. Um, yeah. 5-5 beater can't be targeted by opponent's effects. It's That's a nice thing to be able to have an option to do, really. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Also really good in the mirror, because if the ground gets clogged, you need something to get through. Yep. Very true. Very true. Okay. All right. I guess the last deck worth really uh, taking in depth is just through... we got a couple of different Jun decks, but notably the third place uh, mid-range deck. Using a couple of the new cards, like um, Rakdos, Kirun, but really relying on a lot of the old stuff. Um, Mizium Mortar is another good new card it's using. But mostly it looks pretty similar to some of the block-constructed decks that existed. And just the one card I wanted to point out that I think is really neat is Olivia Voldaren coming back yet again. Um, great creature, obviously, to steal your opponents. Um, whatever. 
should you be able to shoot it, but also you can take like, um, what are they called? The blood artist um, that people typically play. Um, it's Falcon Wrath Aristocrat of Vampire? I think so. Yep. Mm-hmm. So another good ca- card to just steal away from them uh, with Olivia. She got a lot of potential uses, um, you know, being a pretty strong threat. Yep. And the singles and dead weight um, as additional uh, uh, pillar of flame, I suppose. Yeah, uh, really just, I guess, wanting a fourth one-mana removal spell, so it's a good option. Um, is he a Mortars, though? Let me tell you, that card, oi, pretty good. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. Um, I quite like the use of Rakdos Key Rune to dodge the um, Roth Heavy decks, um, given the... Although it is still vulnerable to uh, the ever-present uh, Pillar of Flames. Uh, well, no, it's not uh, Pillar of Sorcery. Oh, that's a point, yeah. yeah. So, Key Rune for uh, the... Uh, doing the manland job, if you will. Exactly, yeah. He, d- he does really well, also helping to fix the mana. Although one card that it does uh, have some problems with and is a card to watch out for is the new um, Naturalize effect, the hybrid card that uh, destroys yeah. an artifact or enchantment and populates. Uh, I can just tell you from ex- experience, that card's going to get see a lot of play, and it's quite painful. Um, mm-hmm. especially in situations where you oblivion ringed away your opponent's um, Huntmaster of the Fells. Yep. You know, like, blow it up, get my Huntmaster back, populate a wolf token, and I get a wolf token because he came back. And I gained two more life. I'm just looking at these Mizium Mortars and wondering if that's um, a slot which would be taken by uh, Bonfire if this person could afford it, or if that's a deliberate uh, metagame choice. I, I really think it's a deliberate choice. Um, I'm not sure that one is better than the other. I think right now, in most decks, you might prefer Mizium Mortars. It's, it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they both have a really good potential. Because especially for a deck like this, I don't think you're really heavily concerned with dealing damage to your opponent and like you know bum-rushing them. You have time, and you're, you know, you're hoping for inevitability. So I think the yeah. flexibility of getting a creature that comes in early out of the way or detonating their entire board is a lot more important um, than getting yeah. stuck with... And especially, you know, you want to plan when you're playing that kind of Wrath in this deck. And so I don't think the Miracle works for it. I suppose so. And um, it also does help that um, it uh, gets rid of most of the... Um, even the complete roadblock to... Um, uh, you've got the uh, Elephant 4-4, four, four, you've got all the 3-3s, three, um, a couple of other 4-toughness guys, and it gets rid of them. Yeah, it doesn't. there's not much that it really wants to go after that it can't take out. Um, it's, a, it's a really good spell. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so we'll put the link in the show notes as usual, so if you want to check out any of the other decks um, from the top, they used to do 32, but I guess they went a little deeper this time even. Yep. Huh. Now, um, for those who did in the Community Cup, which um, listeners to this podcast uh, bloody well should be interested in because of the uh, long association with our uh, um, former host, uh, Eric Preborg, for which it's now named, Heath, the uh, site owner for um, Pure MTGO, is going to try interviewing some of the staff at 
uh, for Wizards when he goes to the Community Cup um, this year. He wants some help on interesting and incisive questions. There's a link in the uh, show notes to the thread on the um, Magical General Online General Board on uh, the main forums. Now, um, these questions probably will be vetted, but uh, it certainly can't help to ask, especially if you can think of a good one. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, I love that Heath's doing this. Um, Eric did it uh, when he went to the Community Cup for the, the first one. He took time. He got to interview interviews like Gordon Cole, Sharp, um, a couple of other guys, uh, big wigs in uh, Magic Online. And they were fun, and they did provide some cool information. And so I'm hoping that the community, because they've already done a good job, it's about a three-page long thread, um, contributes a lot of good questions. And there are some good questions already in there. Um, but yeah, if you have anything that you were burning to know about what's going on about War Magic Online in the future, I would put it in here, and I'm sure you know Heath will get every question answered that he can. Um, yep. So it should be a lot of fun. I can always guarantee some of them will be answered with, um, we can't tell you that right now, but um, we'll see in the future, but that's the heat to find out. Yeah, of course. We'll definitely get some politician-y answers on some subjects. Like, I know, just going through real quick, there's some, you know, like, Winter League's coming back. Um, I've already yeah. seen that on there a couple of times, and I wouldn't expect a straight answer on that one. Um, yeah. Well, you might think that I couldn't possibly comment. Yeah. <laughs> And but there's some other stuff that's really interesting in there. So if you if there's you know just anything you've wanted to know about uh, Magic Online coming down the pipeline, then this would be a good place to go and put that question out there. Because I'm sure Heath will read through that and, and compile them all uh, shortly before the trip. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, wizards frequently try new things, and uh, some bright spark has obviously said, "Hey, fantasy football is pretty popular." Let's see if we can apply that to the Pro Tour. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so through Facebook, the, um, Wizards has launched an app previously called the Fantasy Pro Tour, which works kind of, I guess, like you would imagine um, if you think about it for the cards as the players in this instance uh, when compared to Fantasy Football. You pick a card from each category uh, for constructed purposes, and you will get points depending on how well those cards do. You have things like Planeswalker, large creature, medium creature, small creature, instant sorcery, enchantment, artifact, and non-basic land. Um, and there's also a tiebreaker where you pick a pro player, so should you be tied in points with anyone, it goes by the uh, position that that pro player ended up in as the tiebreaker. Presuming they take part. Yes. Uh, do you got to be careful and make sure you pick someone who's there. Um, but it's, it's kind of fun. It doesn't, you know, it's there's nothing valuable to obtain except for bragging rights over your other friends who play in it and do worse than you, so you can trash talk them. But isn't that what you know? Life is about finding ways to call your friends idiots. Well, it's certainly what fantasy football helps with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a goofy little thing. That's if you follow the pro tour and if you do watch it, it might you know be something to add a little extra fun. Like, oh yeah, I want you want that deck to be good because it has your card in there. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it had some popularity because they've continued it for is this the second or third Pro Tour, I think, where they've had the Fantasy Pro Tour. I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Um, you can see how much interest this has for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for some people, there's zero interest. Not about that. Um, but according to Facebook stats, uh, a little over 645,000 people have liked it on on Facebook, so. 
Can't really argue with likes on Facebook. That's true. That is the, the definitive answer for how popular something is in the world. No better method. It's, it's more the fact that a little thumbs up icon can't really talk back. <laughs> That's true, too. Okay. But yeah, so if you're interested in that, if you did it before and you want to do it again, we've got the link in the show notes to take you to um, explain all of how, the, how that works. Now, talking about things people like to see, we've got some really nice promo art for the upcoming Mox Season 11 and the October TNMO. What's coming up? Well, uh, yeah, like you said, the Magic Online Championship Series Season 11 will actually begin after the downtime um, as of this podcast. So you can start working towards earning, earning points to qualify for that one. And if you do qualify, your reward for that is going to be the Cube Art Control Magic. Uh, two and two blue, you control Enchanted Creature. Used to be a really, really good card back in the day. Uh, yep. And then they printed Treachery, which was um, uh, slightly more expensive, but a lot more broken. Yeah. Yeah. It was more expensive and yet less expensive all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, you know, still just a fun card. And I really love the new art that they did for the cube. Um, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. I want to get that card. And now you can. Yep. In addition to that, we have confirmation that the October Thursday Night Magic Online promo will sync up with the Friday Night Magic uh, promo of Alternate Art Evolving Wilds. And let me tell you, the art here is beautiful. It is, um, it's hard, it's hard to describe. What would you call that? I, I don't even know. And I got, you know, just looking at it, it's, you know, it clearly looks to be like a changing landscape, but I can't tell. At first I kind of looked at it, I thought it was like a tsunami, like coming in and overtaking the foresty area, but now I'm, I'm not even sure. Um, but let me tell you, it looks really, really nice. Nice work, Sam Burley. Yep, kudos to that man. Um, give us some more awesome art in the future. Yeah, I like I like it a lot. And hey, you know, a playable card, like certainly usable in standard. So. Yep. And many other formats. Now, talking about usable as in standard, let's have a look at the prices. What's uh, shipping up and shipping down as uh, standard rotates from one to the other? Mm-hmm. Well, just some cards to keep their, your eye on. There hasn't been a whole lot of movement as a result of the Star City event, but we've seen a couple cards creep up a dollar or two here um, from seeing some play, and just want to keep an eye on them. Probably the biggest gainer is uh, Olivia, who really hadn't been doing much. She had an appearance early on, like when Innistrad first came out in a Patrick Chapin deck, and shot up as a result of that, but then she kind of fell off the radar. Well, now that she's back in black and red, um, she has gone back up to 11.45 at this moment. Not bad. Mm-hmm. A couple of other cards have just kind of creeped up a dollar or two here. There, Tamio, uh, seeing some play in the deck along with Entreat the Angels. Uh, those are both at around sixteen. Uh, Falcon Wrath Aristocrat again, a great beater who did very well in block, is sitting pretty at about sixteen. Garuk Relentless also a part of that deck, just a little under sixteen. And then Huntmaster of the Fells at sixteen sixty four um, has been consistently played and is probably going to continue to be consistently played. So if you want a good card, have um, if you want a good deck, have 16 uh, bucks per card ready. <laughs> Pretty much, is what it looks like. Um, a couple uh, others here, Thrag Tusk. Everyone knew it was going to be good, but just, you know, the supply was dragging it down while people waited. It went down to about 4 bucks, 4.50 thereabouts at one point. And people were like, oh yeah, that card is good. And so it's jumped back up a little bit to about 6.60. Yep. Um, 
a long and story tradition of beasts which can gain you as much life as they have power, uh, going back to Ravenous and Obstinate Baloth, um, and Frank does more and more effectively. Yes, uh, yes he does, and can do some really crazy things right now, especially com- you know compared to those uh, with cards like Cloud Shift and Restoration Angel, um, giving you opportunities to gain 10 life and get a free 3-3 along with your 5-3. Yeah, uh, the um, best Phyrexian Rager ever printed, Gizzlebrand, is uh, currently at seven point five. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a card I expect to to really just kind of creep up over time. Uh, being a third set mythic, who's obviously a great reanimation target, um, yeah. no, no matter what the format. I expect him, you know, just as people get away from drafting and playing AVR limited, he's just gonna slowly work his way up. You know, he'll go to eight dollars, and then nine dollars, and then ten dollars, and he'll just keep kind of creeping up for a while. So that's a good one yep. to pick up now, I think, if you want it and don't have it yet. Get a few of these, and um, at the worst-case scenario, you've got a huge beta which gains your life and draws your card. Mm-hmm. What's not to like? Absolutely. Especially if, you know, as Wizards has you know been trying to push Mono Black, he would be a great finisher just in that style deck, you know, between the new Liliana and Mutilate and Underworld connections. Um, there's potential for a very strong like Mono Black deck available. Uh, our, you know, dynamic duo, the zombies, are both at just under seven apiece for Garolf, Messenger, and Gravecaller. Um, so if you like, you know, continuing to attack and attack from beyond the grave, uh, look into those. Like the Azorius dynamic duo of Geysus and Traft. <laughs> that, uh, and the token it makes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. It's only at, um, uh, 26.5 for, um both of those mm-hmm. yeah and just another really potent card it's been, it's been good the entire time and it's only just gotten better it's found more and more ways to avoid dying with its frail 2-2 body um, either by enchanting it with something we're losing the swords but we still have things like exalted and restoration angel to blink it and save it or even spectral flight I've seen in some decks uh, just to let him jump yep or just stick a ranker on him and let him pile over Yep, <laughs> there there are plenty of options uh, for bringing the beast with that guy. Mm-hmm. Now, Bonfire of the Damned is uh, still smoldering away, uh, 32.9 at the moment, so it would put you the best part of 120 in the whole, well, best part of 130, you can think of it, yeah. just to get a place out of those. Mm-hmm. And that's one I think may... It may continue to drop a little bit as people um, work with it, the balance between that card and, like, Mizium Mortars and uh, some of the other possible, like, red wrath-type effects that we have from Overload. Um, but you want to watch out. I wouldn't wait too long on picking it up because I, I worry about what happens when we get Stomping Grounds to go with it and along with the rest of the Grohl Guild uh, when Gatecrash comes out. Yep. Well, Boris, for that matter. Um, if there's a really good deck which wants a uh, one of the best red burn spells ever printed, then this thing is a third set myth- mythic in a set which at that point wouldn't be drafted for a while. Yeah, absolutely. So you may want to let it slide, you know, a little more, but don't uh, gamble too much on the price coming down because we've already seen it can be a forty dollar card very easily. Yeah, when it was still being drafted and sealed. 
Um, so if a deck comes around that really wants it and that's no longer the case, expect it to climb right back up there and possibly more. Yep. And it's not difficult to get burnt on a bonfire. Very true. Uh, it's, it's, it's still a bad card to be on the receiving end of. Uh, don't get me wrong. So. Mm-hmm. Right. That's our prices. So let's move on to the question of the week. So what are you looking forward to more? Return to Ravnica Limited or the standard rotation? Mm-hmm. And I thought this would be an interesting question because I think they're both highly anticipated. One, because people are excited about uh, drafting a new Ravnica set, drafting another multicolored set, and that's always fun. And also, you know, as people get to be, they're very tired of the standard format, especially considering it's pretty dominated by um, Delver decks, uh, featuring Enphyrexian mana spell decks and Infect decks now. Which wizards did a good job of planning when they were like, we'll give, we'll have rancor and infect occur at the same time, but only for a couple of months because that might get a little out of hand otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> then get them out of their system. Yeah, exactly. and then get it out of our system. Exactly. Yeah, for the people that want to do that, you got a, you got a couple months to do that, but then move along, come up with something else. So yeah, we just want to know what would you, what are you more interested in? Do you want to draft or do you want to brew some new decks? Yep. Um... Are you glad to see the back of the Titans? Um, all the other uh, goodies which are no longer with us from either the core set or from um, uh, the entirety of Scar's block? Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you miss the good artifacts? Do you miss the good artifacts only if you don't have a good um, uh, naturalized on hand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's a little interesting. Maybe, you know, just split between whether you're more of a limited player or constructed player, but yeah. Just go ahead and let us know. Leave us a message in the, sh- in the uh, show notes, in the comments section at the end, and we would love to hear from you. Yep. All right. All right. Well, that uh, kind of brings us to the end of the road here. So, AJ, what you been playing? I was um, – you see, in the um, article on uh, the PMGG website, which uh, – uh, details the weekly tribal apocalypse events. I was sort of campaigning for the return of one of the banned cards, Progenitus, which um, formed part of the trifecta of doom alongside Iona, Shield of Ameria, and Emrakul, the Ian's Torm, both of which pretty much, when they hit play, end the game. But I wanted it for a slightly different reason, and I said, if you unban this, and give me enough time to make sure I've got all the bits of the deck together, I will play my landless avatar deck that can cast Progenitus. <laughs> I, I'm waiting with bated breath to hear how you did this. Well, I'll, for the sake of uh, the popularity of that article, if you want to know how well it did, I suggest you... Um, uh, take a look at that article when it comes out later this week. I think it uh, usually debuts on Thursday or Friday. I will say that um, one thing I did do with the deck was um, unlock one of the achievements, which was win from mulliganing to two cards. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm sold. I'm, I'm clearly going to have to keep an eye out for this article because I have to know all of the shenanigans that went on based on that. There may be video footage. Excellent, excellent. That, that, that beats the personal best. I've won off a mulligan to three before. I've never won off a mulligan to two. So, congratulations. Thank you. 
Now, speaking of congratulations, what have you been up to? Uh, well, I've actually wandered back into the real world again with magic, um, and I went to my local FNM, and I decided to bring with me, since I don't have any uh, Return to Ravnica cards except for a handful from the pre-release, I pretty much just took a formerly banned block deck with me in the form of tokens. Because um, I figured, hey, if intent, you know, if Intangible Virtue and Lingering Souls were good enough to get banned and blocked, it should be pretty good in new standards. Um, so I built a deck, you know, a shell off of that. But I also wanted to make sure I had some red because I like Bonfire the Damned and Pillar of Flame. Uh, so those made the cut as well. Um, I did all right. Um, unfortunately, did not crack like the, the top tiers to get a lot of packs. But I had a lot of fun. I, I learned a couple of interesting things with decks that are going on. Um, one cool thing I saw there was like in that uh, bug deck that I played, he found a way to keep Solemn Sim- Simulacrum as, of sorts with a turn two Farseek and a turn three uh, Snapcaster Mage to Farseek again, which let him power his that, way up to his big Planeswalkers. That's a pretty sweet way of... Um, uh, yeah, that's that's just nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he that was pretty cool. I thought, um, which and also letting him reuse his Mizium mortars uh, was nice when he could overload those from the graveyard later in the game uh, after already having zapped a creature out of the sky. Uh, so yeah, that that was interesting. I faced a couple of Rakdos decks, and boy, they can be fast. I really needed some kind of life gain element or some way to stop the bleeding to a degree because. That deck is a lot faster than I really thought it was, even with Pillar of Flames to kind of slow down the early assault. Um, it is potent. Maybe splash a bit green next time for um, uh, either the Elephant Roadblock or the um, or even Thrag Tusk itself. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about considering is finding a way to play either like Centaur Healer or Thrag Tusk or something like that. But I'll worry about that later. Um, either way, I did luck out and I managed to be one of the door prizes, and so I still got my foil promo of Alton Wilds. And it's pretty. It's so pretty. Nice. <laughs> well, on that cheerful note, uh, I believe that's all we have for you this week, so until next time, it's uh, goodbye from me. Alright, and goodbye from me. Later, guys. Catch you.